Hey guys, it's me. Sorry to bother you. I just wanted to let you know we are about to play the Sasquatch Hunter. Great show, we great fun with Thomas. Uh, unfortunately, the computer went kind of wacko a bit and uh, resorted to ignore the whole mixer board thing and bypass it. And all you hear is actually from the internal microphone. So I'm warning you about the sound qualities of this episode. I tried to clean up as much as I can, but anyway, it's still a good listen. Thanks. Enjoy. I'm John D. Webster, and I took a left. At the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know. We don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. I'm the puppy being with an atheist skeptic mingle. This is Left for the Valley. My name is Kevin, and my profile indicates that I like long walks on the beach. Joining me as usual is a crew of romance, creative reason by candlelight. Our main track of history, whose profile indicates she likes punctual people and men, Nancy. Oh, that's me. I'm <laughs> And our in-house skeptic who can be seduce, who can seduce you with your knowledge of logical fallacies, Tyler. <laughs> Guys, welcome back. We have a special guest in with us. We have Thomas the Sasquatch Hunter. Hi, Thomas. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? Excellent. And we'll be t- taking a look today at your work and the whole myth of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti. We'll have fun with all that. But first, let's get into a bit of chit-chat. Did you guys hear, well, I'm sure you guys have heard of what's going on in the United States with the black shootings? Oh, heavens, the black shootings. The you were just shootings. there. You were just there. I yeah. was just there, and the first selfish thought that came into my mind was, boy, I'm glad I was there when I was, and I'm not there now. Yeah, it's 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 getting really, really bad now. I mean, they uh, they got video, and it really almost shows these police officers almost executing these people. I mean, I've always been the kind of guy, I understand the police job is... It's not easy. It's tough. You have to think in a fraction of a second. But some of these videos, you're really shaking your head and saying, what are you thinking here? And it's getting really disturbing. And now, of course, what just happened in Dallas, a sniper opened fire and killed, is it five officers now? Yeah, five officers. Officers are down now, and uh, I think 11 were wounded. And uh, I, I hate to be cynical like this, but, geez, I'm surprised it took that long. Well, speaking, you know, on behalf of Dallas, which is a rare event for me, but there are things about Dallas that's good. One really good thing was that the police were protecting the protesters, and the meeting, the the protest march was entirely peaceful. There were no problems whatsoever, and so the shooter actually had nothing to do with the event. It was just a, a, a way that he could ambush the greatest number of police and he had been claiming it for some time. And afterward, um, people lined up in front of the downtown uh, main police headquarters to hug the police. Yes. And there were people yes. of all races and kinds to do it. So in terms of police relationships and race relationships in Dallas at the present time, I think you have to be pretty optimistic. Yeah, I sure hope so. Yeah. I sure hope so. But I think it's high time the Americans have to admit that they have a racial problem in the States. And they come from. Oh, I mean, they've always admitted it. I mean, under pressure, they've admitted it. It's a matter of finding the pathway 
to the solution. I don't agree to admit it. I mean, even the Supreme Court said there's no such thing as racism anymore in the States. They made that, uh, what was that, a couple of years ago, that decision? Uh, and I don't think, I, I don't think, I think the general public knows there's, a, there's an issue. But uh, I don't think so, uh, the, the, uh, the authorities will admit to that. Yeah, and I'm not an alcoholic, because I don't go to AA meetings. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a couple things to add to this, though. I've actually been talking about this quite a bit in the last 24 to 48 hours, actually posted. I'm not sure if you see everything that I post, but I posted a link from the BBC that kind of calculated the numbers and said the cops basically kill two people a day in yeah. the United States. Mm-hmm. And there's a Washington Post article that I posted this morning that showed that there was a white teenager boy who was murdered by the police and it didn't get any media attention, really, and that's kind of what his lawyer and whatnot was saying, the family's lawyer. I I guess the point was that they were trying to say that, you know, a black kid gets killed, big problem, a white kid gets killed, no big problem, but then they kind of looked at it a little bit deeper, and white on white crime doesn't get a lot of media. Black on black crime, same thing. Mm-hmm. It's more white on black. That's where it kind of comes from, right? So maybe if it was a black cop that killed the white teenager, that might have been a bigger deal. And then what was the other article? I think it's from The Guardian that showed they compared all these other countries. Now you have to factor and there's a huge population difference with you know, Australia and basically Europe in general compared to the United States. But the amount of murders from the police in the United States is, even if you account for population, it's huge, it's ridiculously ridiculously huge compared to anywhere else in the world. Oh, yeah. This is why I like to refer to my one of my favorite philosophers in modern day, Russell Peters, yeah. <laughs> a Canadian comic, because he's uh, of Indian descent. And he says, you know, one day racism is stupid because one day in the future there will be no black or white. Everybody's going to be beige. Because he says, there's a lot of Indians out there. He says, you can run from now, but sooner or later, we're going to hump you. <laughs> oh, I, I wish I could remember all the stuff that he says on that, but he's a lesser experiment. Let's get a woman from Iceland and a man from Cuba, and they can have little baby ice cubes. <laughs> oh my god! Hilarious. It, it does get frustrating. It does get sad, and it it does get redundant. But every time this happens, the same conversation. Yes. We've got yes. to do better than this. We're Americans. We know we can do better than this. We have to start an open dialogue. So the rooster leaves us. And it's over and over and over. And some good comes out of it for about three seconds, mm. and then everyone settles into their pattern of uh, systemic racism. And very little progress is made. Well, let's hope our American friends eventually see the light. Uh, another thing, too, that's been going on that gets no media attention whatsoever in France. France has been getting huge, huge protests. And we're talking people numbered in the millions are coming out of the street, and there is no media on this whatsoever. Uh, the French government has been trying to install, for uh, lack of a better term, quote unquote, austerity measures and, you know, cut down on workers' rights. And in France, they're just not, the French, you know, the French. You know, they're just not standing for something like that. And they're protesting, and you talk about huge numbers all over the country, and almost to the point that it's gridlocking the, the economy of France, and the media is not covering this at all. Um, personally, I think that more people in the world, including here in Canada, should take example on things like that than the French did. Even myself, when I grew up in Quebec, it was quite common for us to go to protest every second Friday in front of Parliament. It's something that's just not done here at all in, 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 in BC. So I agree. That is a huge thing. That is one of the things like France has some of the most social safety nets out there. Mm-hmm. And there, this is going to sound really conspiracy theory, so don't interpret it that way. But that, you know that quote that 
the government should be afraid of their people yes. rather than the people being afraid of it. And that's how it is there. It I totally mean, is. It totally is. You can go all the way back to the French Revolution and what happens when the French government pisses off the people. They they do. They absolutely protest. Here we're just like, nah, somebody else will do it. And then nothing gets done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in France, this is nothing new, is it? No, no, no. The, you know French. <laughs> Even here in Canada, we, you know, a lot of people that come to me and they say, oh, well, they find out I'm French Canadian. Oh, well, of course, French Canadians, they always get what they want. They're always whining. Well, yeah, that's because they are. You know, I've always said, you know, the difference between Quebec and BC is quite simple. Quebec wines, BC wine. Quebec does something about it, and BC usually shrugs its shoulders and says, man, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's a country a, of ten kids and months of spoiled brat. Well, you know, the squeaky wheel does get the grease. Yeah. Otherwise... Or it gets an ass kicking. You know? <laughs> Maybe so, if it's exaggerated. I agree, there's way too much apathy in general, but especially political apathy. I mean, people oh, yes. died okay. for your right to vote and all these different things, and people just kind of ignore it. And uh, another interesting bit of news, you remember our friend Arn Raw? Of course, we love Arn when he came on our show. Uh, this this past week, they just opened up the Ark Encounter in Kentucky. Now, Thomas, if you don't know about this, they actually took uh, this fellow, Ken Ham, actually opened a life-size replica of the Ark, of Noah's Ark, in Kentucky. Now, the big controversy is, of course, they also got a lot of tax break and government money to build essentially $18 something. Million $18 million dollars worth. And, of course, there was a protest in front of it when it opened up this week. And there's a bit of uh, arm getting to an argument with Eric Holman. Is it Eric or Tim? Eric. Eric. Oh. Yeah. And I've got a little bit of a clip here, so let's play that. Okay, guys. Sorry, it got cut out. Uh, so we're at the Ark Encounter protest, and right now there's Aaron Raw and Eric Hovind debating creationism. Oh, excuse me. Okay. There are hundreds of state-funded museums around the world teaching the religion of evolution. But they hire anybody that employs that's qualified to do the job, sir. As such, is a faith-based belief system holding to the idea that some essence of self, be it a soul or memories or whatever, somehow survives the death of the physical body to continue on in a supernatural form. That's every religion. It's better to believe in everything. Evolution is demonstrable. No one says everything. Verifiable science. It's an inescapable fact. That's not evolution. The fact that one little bitty museum versus the hundreds of museums that are paid for by tax dollars, which get you guys so upset, shows me that your religious worldview. Except we don't have a religious worldview. I just demonstrated that he has to lie about this. Do you believe? Do you believe that we came from? An ape-like ancestor. Can I prove right now that we are still apes? Yes, I can. Which proves the question you just asked. Apes don't have tails. Learn taxonomy. (laughs) That was just beautiful. At that point when he says, can you prove that we came from an ape-like ancestor? And he says, yes, I can. Uh, Eric Hoven, if you see the video, he actually kind of leans behind Arn to say, well, you don't have a tail kind of thing, right? And then, of course, Arn just turns around and tells him, you know, Apes don't have tails, learn taxonomy. That is just a beautiful, beautiful video. Was, and I love so. how Arne just gets so involved in it. I mean, you can hear the passion. You can hear, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get you in a minute. You can just hear that. Well, he's a big, scary looking dude, too, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or, well, not in that video. But, <laughs> but, but a great public. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's a whole controversy there about one building getting a little bit of funding. Well, it's because it's, it's, it's essentially because of the government constitution. Mm-hmm. If you if you're giving government money, you're promoting a religion. Sure. You're promoting oh. a specific religion. They're not allowed to do that. Yeah. And they were giving money to a, an organization 
on July 2nd, the delegates from Maryland, that's now at that time there were the, the 13 um, colonies, the 13, as they call independent sovereign states, and the representative from Virginia uh, passed the resolution on July 2nd that they would have the Declaration of Independence. And because it was passed on um, July the 2nd, John Adams, who became the second president of the United States, wrote to his wife that the second day of July 1776 will be the most memorable epoca, I'm hoping that's the E-P-O-C-H-A, in the history of America. And he thought that the, the, the celebration of, of the uh, United States would be that day, but we actually celebrated, or the U.S. actually celebrates it on July 4th, which is the day that it was signed. So the interesting thing is we talk about the Declaration of Independence, and that's used all the time. But do you know that there is no Declaration of Independence on the Declaration of Independence? Dun, dun, dun. Um, it's not used. What it says at the top is, a declaration by the representatives of the United States of America in general Congress assembled. And everybody thinks that when they look at the top of it, and for some reason the myth, even you know, people who, who you know, go to school and they say they're good at history, if you ask them, does it say Declaration of Independence? I doubt whether most of them would say, no, it doesn't. A lot of people actually think that they won the war on that day when that was kind of the beginning. And it was how many years was it? Like eight years or more well, before it actually ended. Actually, the the the, um, the actual war of independence started a year a year before. So, and and, and the, um, by the time it was over, it's eighteen. Oh my goodness, eighteen seventy-eight, eighteen seventy-eight. No, no, you're 100 years old. You're 70, I'm sorry, 17. Yeah, 17 and 70 years old. Yeah, I think you can enter the way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and everyone else can now do it, and I'll sit and, and steal No, 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 we're looking at these things. No, no, it's 17. I'm sorry. Uh, on behalf of the United States, I would just <laughs> like to thank France for their independence. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. That's all I mean. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a different subject altogether. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the, the last thing we're going to is that the Liberty Bell, there is no actual proof that the Liberty Bell rang on July the 4th. It might have been one of the group of bells, but actually the Liberty Bell came to Philadelphia in, in 1750 and developed a crash. It was then um, recast and it was probably one of the bells, but it just developed that reputation after it went um, on, on a tour in the early 20th century. So, oh, so myths are formed. Myths are formed. So, mm -hmm. if, even though that all happened, somehow the United States still got off the ground and we're, it's still going to this day. So, I guess that, that's okay. July 6th, moving ahead. July 6th is Teacher's Day in Peru. And in 1885, I think that's why I was going 1885. Yeah, probably. 1885, French scientist uh, Louis Pasteur, and mm. this is a great little tiny story. Uh, Louis Pasteur injected the first of 14 daily doses of rabbit spinal cord suspensions containing progressively inactivated rabies virus into a nine-year-old boy named Joseph Meister, and he was the first child to get the shots and to survive the, the rabies epidemic. It was so successful 
that he grew up, became interested in science, and became the caretaker of the Pasteur Institute until he was 64 years old. What a nice story. Isn't that a great story? That's how, we never know how science can inspire someone's entire life, but it it, it can, and I think that's that's a delightful, delightful story to illustrate it. July 8th is Collector Car Appreciation Day, and in 1947, Reports are broadcast that a UFO crash landed in, you want to guess? Roswell. New Mexico. Mm-hmm. That's right, there's the Roswell UFO incident. So, I saw that on the, F- on the Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> in um, mid-1947, a uh, crash of a military air surveillance balloon at a ranch near Roswell gave rise to claims alleging the crash was an extraterrestrial, um, extraterrestrial spaceship, and that gave rise to all of the um, uh, UFO and UFO, UFOologists, mm-hmm. and all the elaborate conspiracy theories, and so forth and so on, and that there was a cover-up. And the, the wonderful um, little saying, the truth is out there. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. The truth is out there. I also there. like the term flying saucer that came from that. That's true. That's pretty cool. Flying Why? saucer. I never would have thought of saying that. That's right. That's right. And, and those who still believe, still believe, and the facts don't get in their way. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, July 10th is Silence Day, and Nicholas Tesla's Day, and Beatles Day. So like Beatles, like the Fab Four? Yeah, the Beatles Beatles. Oh, the, the, the insect. The regular Beatles. Okay, yeah, well. John okay, well. <laughs> yes, okay. Thank so, you for clarifying that. Yeah, so here, here's really, this is fun trivia. This is an absolute fun trivia. On July 10th, um, Lady Godiva in 1040, as we know, rode naked on horseback to Coventry, and according to legend, to force her husband, the Earl of Mercia, to lower taxes. So that's a good story. But here's one that's built on that, and it's even better. Dr. Seuss, we all know Dr. Seuss, was a legendary children's book author, but he was also a radical ideologist and a lover of reading, lover of history, and among his, his very clear feats is a very unknown, scandalous one. In 1939, uh, Dr. Seuss left Vanguard for Random House, and he had one condition for the new publisher, um, that he wanted to do this adult book. He got to the point where he thought, okay, I've done it for children, now I really want to do an adult book. The result was this lovely little book called The Seven Lady Godivas, The True Facts Concerning Christie's Bear's Family. And he made up the story that tells the story of seven nudist sisters who after their, uh, this is, I know you're looking at me like a skeptic, this is 100% true. After their father's death, they pledged not to wait until each of them has brought to the light of the world some new and worthy horse truth of benefit to man. So in 1939, they published about 10,000 copies, but only 25 copies sold, and it was a failure. People refused to accept the fact that Dr. Seuss would have this book about seven naked lady photographers. And the, the, uh, the book that was published, there were so few of them published that today they were a rarity and they yes. for yes. thousands of them. But his Lady Godivers were adorable. There was nothing scandalous about them. They looked like the cat in the hat, only they're little, they're little ladies and they're just the cutest thing you ever saw. I'll life. never think of Whoville the same way. Pardon? I'll never think of Whoville the same way again. <laughs> so, look, I 
one on eBay, but it, it didn't get me the time, and I was going, I was going oh. Absolutely adorable. Does it rhyme like a Dr. Seuss book, too? It's about, it's, they, they republished, this isn't an original, they republished them in his parents beat him too with that name? Pardon? His parents beat him too with that yeah. name? <laughs> Her. <laughs> Her Beautiful. So that ending on that note, dear listeners, it brings to a close another passage where the interesting, mundane, unusual, and this certainly was an occasion of bizarre event and people that make up this day in history. Bizarre indeed. <laughs> you just ruined Dr. Seuss for me in some ways, sir. <laughs> no, I should have made it better. Why did you see these ladies are the cutest little naked ladies? Okay, fair enough. Excellent. All right. And we'll <laughs> it's a good thing we're not CIBL anymore. They really hate us now. <laughs> and we'll be right back after. What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Center. Please visit our website for more details, bchumanist.ca. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. And we're back. All right. Okay. Like I said, today we're going to be doing a show about... Sasquatch and the Sasquatch hunter that we have with us. But before we get into that, we're going to get into our usual things that make you go I have a nice little story for you guys today. It's actually a Canadian story too. I know a lot of our stories are American, but this one's a Canadian. Apparently, a family argument over whether the earth is flat or round became so heated that one of the participants to a propane cylinder into a campfire, prompting oh an intervention by firefighters. The dispute over a question most considered resolved centuries ago boiled over around uh, at St. Lawrence Park in Brockville, Ontario. Police said a 56-year-old Brockville man was at the campfire with his son and his son's girlfriend 
When the woman became, uh, sorry, began insisting that the earth is flat, the older man insisted the earth is round. If anyone at the campfire put forth the argument that the Earth's equatorial bulge may be not perfectly round, but instead of a sheep known as oblate spheroid. Nevertheless, police said the man became so enraged he began throwing objects into the campfire, including a propane cylinder. Way to go to make your point, huh? <laughs> Rockville firefighters were called out to, to pull out the fire, and by the time police arrived at the scene, the man had left. So now they're working for him. Uh, uh, they're, they're looking for the man apparently, and they expect to charge him with mischief. Any comments on this? <laughs> well, I can understand. You know, it's, 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 somebody would start arguing with me that the earth is flat. I too might get into a, a bit of a "Come on, what the hell are you thinking here?" But to the point of throwing stuff into a campfire, that's a that take a chill pill, dude. But you are correct. It's not round either. It's oblate Exactly, yeah, frisbees. I love it. The flying saucers. We're going back to Roswell here. <laughs> I don't notice I said eight because I still don't know if Pluto's counted or not. It's been Pluto, which is a term I love. You've been demoted, you've been Pluto. It's a few. Yeah, like I, when I get bored, I argue with people on Facebook. So, flat earth people, yeah, but I still run into people who think the sun revolves around the earth. Actually, there was a stat that I pulled out. Remember that one, Nancy? It was actually a quarter. A quarter of all Americans think that the Earth still revolves around the Earth. Uh, that, sorry, the sun revolves around the Earth. Yeah, like the Canadians, that is. We don't have a stat for that. I wish we could find one. I know we score a lot higher on science literacy than we made. Like, we score at the top. Yeah, but well, maybe so. But when you see stories like this and the couple of stories we had a couple of weeks ago, sometimes you start wondering, hmm, maybe we're not that great. Was it... Was it last week or the week before? We talked about Alberta. Forty percent of all birds are talking talk about young, yeah, young Earth, young Earth uh, creationism. Well, that's like the most, wow. the most conservative politically province. Yeah, but still, it's still a fair chunk of people. Not okay. all Texas North for nothing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh goodness gracious! Okay, perfect. Uh, moving on. I've got something interesting going on here. I've got a bit of a surprise. And I know Nancy doesn't like his surprise, but... Then I know exactly what's coming. Got a pop quiz! Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, that's our music for a pop quiz. And since... 
Uh, you know, it's a bit of a fight. We got, we got Tyler versus Thomas versus Nancy, and I stay out of it. I just ask the question. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, you get to hold the show, you can ask the question. Okay, how much It's easy. Come on. It's easy because you got the answer. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it takes B every time. You get one thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Question one. Since we're talking about Sasquatch and the Bigfoot and everything, call them what you want today, when was the first reported sighting of Sasquatch by Caucasians? Caucasians. Well, we're talking like Europeans, anyway. In Canada. Was it A, in 1811, B, 1876, C, 1901, or was it a D at the 2010 Vancouver Olympics? 1811. <laughs> Well, I'm, gonna, question, I'm, I'm with him. Good question. There was no Canada in 1811, so it's a false question. Okay, I'm just going to kick you off the shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is 1811. Yeah. Oh, false question. Actually, it was it's a also wrong, by the way. It's also wrong? Oh, yeah, there were reports uh, from the Hudson's Bay Company before that. That's the first one that got any publicity. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, uh, well, yeah, I got this from unmuseum.org. Oh. Apparently, it's a trader named David Thompson in Jasper. Alberta, who saw footprints 14 inches long with four toes in the snow. Question two. In British North America. Uh, <laughs> this is where. This is where. <laughs> Question two. <laughs> in what year did the Daily Colonist of Victoria report the capture of a Sasquatch? 1884. I'm going with that too. <laughs> 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 right, 1884. T-shirt, just pointing toward Thomas. I'm with him. It was wow. actually, it, it was actually uh, 1882 written, but it was a typo. Wow. Okay, this guy knows his material. Well, I was going to say, he uh, knows his stuff, and you think you're doing the pop Apparently, apparently. He's a brave guy. Maybe I could just <laughs> hand over the question sheet to him, and I can ask him. you want to continue with yeah. this, I So, only a few questions, thank goodness. <laughs> apparently, it was, a, it was spotted by a, a train crew, which they chased it and captured it, apparently. They named him Jacko. They say it stood four foot seven and weighed 127 pounds. Today we think it was actually a chimpanzee. Hmm. Um, no, we don't. Okay. Where is the body now? Oh, we don't know. I don't. We know. get into that when we get into the show. Yeah. Perfect. In Area 51. In which county is it illegal to kill a Sasquatch? Canada. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> okay. The quiz is done. <laughs> It's Camino, Washington. Yeah, uh, geez, uh, you know what? <laughs> we never had a guess that came up that fast. But the answer is apparently there's a thousand dollar fine. And on this subject, <laughs> I'll get you every time. Okay, so the man knows, the man knows his thing. Okay. <laughs> that sounds really weird. <laughs> so Thomas, yes, give sir. us give us a reader's digest of who you are and what you've been doing. Well, and since 1978, and I had an interest in a fascination, or obsession, and I still remember my father telling my mother, don't worry, he'll grow up it, <laughs> but it never happened, and to, you know, cryptozoology, you know, report but unproven animals, and Sasquatch being local, I just naturally followed that one, and I've been doing it ever since. Hmm, that's very interesting. Yeah. I've, uh, I'm now considered one of the old guys, God, I never thought I'd hear that. But yeah, and uh, I've been at quite a while. I've offered three books on the subject, co-authored two others. So, oh, you know. Well, what, I, about, what about it keeps you interested? What is what is the passion? What's the passion? I want to know: Does 
the damn thing exists or not. Okay. It's quite simple. Now, for, for, for those of our listeners that might not know exactly, because we're in Pacific Northwest, everybody knows what Sasquatch is. But Sasquatch essentially refers to a mythical simian, ape, creature, or humanoid, said to inhabit the dense forest of the Pacific Northwest. It's described as a large, hairy, bipedal humanoid. Sasquatch is also an anglicized derivative of the Nadim Hawkolib... Oh, jeez, I'm going to screw this up. Just show you Chehalis. Okay, sure. Chehalis. Sasquatch. <laughs> so... Essentially, it's referred to as Bigfoot in a lot of places in America, Yeti in some Himalayan countries. Sasquatch is the Canadian. Yeah, Bigfoot it's the Canadian. American yeah, exactly. name for the same thing. Exactly. So first of all, Thomas, i got to say thank you so much for being so brave to come on a skeptic show. And we promise we're going to behave. We're not going to harass you or anything like that. But we Bring won't. it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, by the way, he went on that quiz. <laughs> I'm kind of intimidated now. <laughs> so... You, you started doing this, you wanted to find out if the thing was real, and uh, and frankly, you know, a lot of people, a lot of skeptics have a tendency to bash cryptozoology right away. I'm more lenient, because you know what, I think that of all the, a lot of skeptics call all the, this, these, these fields, they call it woo, you know, but of all, of all the fields of woo, quote unquote, cryptozoology to me has a bit more reason to it, because there's a bit of a to it, right? For example, the Kraken, right? It was a mythical creature for the longest time until we realized, no, there actually is something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, you gave us a brief description of, uh, of what you did and you got into it, so tell me more, please. Go well, skeptics have a good reason to bash cryptozoology, because cryptozoologists have given a lot of stuff to bash them about. I mean, the Sasquatch field today, I like to say, it resembles more of an asylum being taken over by inmates. And, you know, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm a researcher. And a researcher has to be able to admit he might be wrong. He has to be able to admit it might be nothing more than mythology. I don't particularly believe that, but you have to admit. If you don't, then you're not really a researcher. You're like a a religious leader pushing a faith. Right? Thomas, I like you already. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, yeah. you know what? That's we're, very reasonable. That's why we're agnostic about most things like mm-hmm. this, where you can't kind of prove or just... I'd like to know what percentage you are sure about it existing or not, because there's a lot of people out there who are 50-50, there's people out there who are 100% sure, no matter what you tell them. So it's nice to know that you'll actually change your mind. Yeah, but I'm I'm ninety percent convinced that there actually is something to the Sasquatch. Why not ninety nine? Why just ninety? Because you got to give a ten percent leeway in case you're wrong. Okay, I used to give a one percent. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's reasonable. That's reasonable. yeah, that, is that that's why because there's always could be another explanation for the evidence. Well, that's why yeah. I say about God. God doesn't leave footprints. Now, Nancy, you might recall uh, when we did our Halloween special, I told you the story of I had an encounter with something. Mm-hmm. At the time, uh, not too long after that, I actually met Thomas. Uh, he happened to be, I was still living in the area, and he happened to be driving around in your little sidekick. With a little Sasquatch on the side, I remember that. And I stopped and I told him my story. And he actually recorded that. So that's how we first oh. We actually went to the location. We actually went to the location. Okay. Now for those listeners that might not remember, if you check on one of our past show, in in very brief details, what happened is I was working a night shift, I was coming back home, it was a foggy full moon night, it looked like a, one of those perfect settings for a horror movie. 
I was falling asleep at the wheel, literally falling asleep at the wheel. I'm just a few hundred meters from the house, and uh, on a, uh, I used to live in the north part of Mission, in farmland, you know, in the woods, on a, on a, uh, on a tree farm. And as I, I drove by something, and my brain registered after I drove by it, what the hell was that? And all I can remember seeing is the back of a big head and what looked like coarse horse hair. That's essentially what I saw. And then I drove in, and uh, then when I got out of the car, there was this weird howl, and I actually hurried inside the house. In, in, in That's essentially my experience there. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I told Thomas about this, and I, I was super, superbly honest with him. I said, I frankly don't know what I saw, but you took the notes and everything down, and I totally appreciate that, and he actually gave me a little, little report, the copy of the report he had about this. And it turned out to be R and R, right? <laughs> 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 you got to tell the story to go right here. Okay, t- you'll, you'll, that yeah, you'll, appre- you'll appreciate this. Uh, R and R, which we heard the, the clip earlier, he tells the story, he lives in Texas, mm-hmm. he tells the story that one time uh, he's uh, hitchhiking some destination, he's going through a wooded area, a big wooded area, and he's, it's getting dark at night. He's got this big fuzzy sweater. Arm is, he's tall. He looks like a big badass biker. And he's wearing a fuzzy sweater. And he noticed he's being tracked by a pack of coyotes. So every once in a while, to make him more skittish, he turns around and roars at them. So they kind of jump a bit. And then they're getting bolder and bolder. So he realizes, oh, I'm in trouble. So he's trying to flag down cars. And cars are avoiding him, swerving, and then bolting out of there. So what the hell? So eventually he gets picked up. And he goes to whatever destination he comes. On his way back, as he's hitchhiking on the way back, and he's going through that same town, he's been picked up by this old boy, and tells him in the best Texan accent I can make, be careful out there, sonny, people that have been reporting saying Bigfoot in these parts lately. <laughs> then he realizes it was him, obviously, being big and tall and with a fuzzy sweater in the middle of the night in the woods. So no matter what evidence you present here to me today, I'm going to say it's on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I'll need to send a copy of the article about this show. <laughs> okay, so I guess... First question I gotta ask: We're here in the Pacific Northwest. We're in uh, Little Abbotsford. How close are these creatures, according to you, around here? Oh, you have to. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I thought they'd be a little bit more reliable. And they were going on in this documentary about how some people think it's Homo heidelbergensis. It was just a Sasquatch definitive guide. I don't remember. It was on YouTube, so I could find the exact okay. same video with ten different names. Mm-hmm. But it was BBC, and you know BBC when you see it, right? So, right. Hmm. Uh, if it was, uh, I, I was advised of that program. Okay. Uh, did they do uh, the Bridal Falls two encounters within four and a half hours? And Probably. Yeah. 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 It was pretty long, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, Bridal Falls is a nice place too. It's yeah. over an hour long anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I guess my question is like regarding physical evidence. I sent these guys a link this morning from CFI that kind of mm-hmm. compiled all of the supposed evidence, the physical evidence and whatnot. So that's not just anecdotal. And mm-hmm. they kind of go through it and say that basically people are just claiming that the stuff that are hoaxes aren't actually hoaxes, like the Roger Patterson video, that kind of thing. And then the, the footprints where they apparently multiple footprints have been collected, but one of them's got six toes, another one of them's got three toes. You know, they can't all be from the same species, right? So what kind of physical evidence do you have that hasn't been debunked as a hoax? Well, quite frankly, if, if you go to the, the world of the skeptics, everything, there's only one piece of hard evidence that will stand up to scrutiny, and that's the animal itself, a body or a piece of the body. Or some kind of DNA. 
Uh, even that, because we don't have DNA of a Sasquatch to compare it to. But it would uh, be it, unknown. It would be that's unknown. right, and they already have a couple of samples of that. Who's, who's they? Who's they? Oh, various guys, like uh, Dr. Gerald Lowenstein you know, from the University of San Francisco has two samples that came out as far as he was concerned uh, to be higher primate of unknown origin. Really? Yeah. Gerald Olstein of the University of? Dr. Gerald Lowenstein. Lowenstein. Yeah. That might be covered in my article. But yeah. They did find that some of it, like, some of it was synthetic hair from, like, a wig. Well, again, which sample you're talking about? Yeah. They've been had in hundreds. Well, if, like, if you're talking about uh, uh, Professor Sykes, he was, he was great. He took a lot of these hair samples, not mine in particular, a lot of these hair samples, discovered this is a cow. This came yeah. dog. Yeah. This came <laughs> you know, and everybody got mad at him. I thought, well, I thought what he did was great. No, it's it's good. You could take those ones off the list. Exactly. It's exact science. Yeah. That's what you want to do. Right? Right. You want to eliminate. And, and then he actually got one that he thought was an extinct polar bear from Asia. It's the only match he could find. So, again, it all comes down to what is it? What do you have? We need what they need is a body or a piece of body. That's the only thing that will take the Sasquatch. Out of mythology and put it in the realm of everyday use. The same thing you do with the giant squid. Everything. That's the only thing that will do it. Yeah. Yeah. So if we let to, until one, a hunter shoots one or one gets plowed by a greyhound bus on the Trans Canada Highway somewhere, that's the way it's going to remain. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I consider myself to be a lot more skeptical than some of my friends. A lot of them are just debunkers that just say no to everything, right? That's, even, that's more of denier. Yeah, and I've even seen some of my friends try to compare Bigfoot to like mermaids and stuff. So I have a different degree of certainty about things. I am more certain that mermaids don't exist than Bigfoot because mermaids would completely throw you know, a monkey wrench into evolutionary history and Bigfoot doesn't. There's nothing about physics that would actually prevent Bigfoot from existing. Like we have problems with aliens coming to Earth because they take you know millions of years to get here, even traveling at the speed of light. Mermaids, mermaids violate evolutionary history. Bigfoot really doesn't. I mean, was it really a bipedal ape? Yeah. Basically, yeah, that depends on which researcher you talk to. Some think more along those weird lines of Sasquatch. You know, some sort of strange figure from the fourth dimension. <laughs> you know, and, and there's people like me who, as far as he's concerned, assuming that the creature does exist, yeah. that it's something but an unclassified higher primate. I think, you know, Gigantopithecus could species continue, most likely. Well, what about yeah. the Homo heidelbergensis or Homo erectus or anything like that? No, they're too human like. Oh. Yeah, the Sasquatch is not human. The only thing human about it is the way it walks well, and the similarities. I could show you a couple of family pictures. You know, yeah. Because <laughs> even Homo erectus or Homo ergaster, they were still hairy. Yeah. Well, everything was in those days. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I've my family pictures. Yeah. yeah. And I've seen some guys today that can give them a run for their money. But, well, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, and of course, and most people also don't know that Sasquatch also has a tremendous singing voice, just mm. like the mermaid, right? Well, the people <laughs> reported large, high-piercing screams and things like that. But of all the recorded sounds alleged to be a Sasquatch, I must point out at no time in any of these recordings was what was uttering the noise seen while it was being recorded. Well, and this article, this Center for Inquiry article, which is great, maybe Kevin can show it to you later, mm-hmm. and you can kind of tell me what's factual and what, if there's anything you disagree with. But basically what it said is that the problem with this whole Bigfoot camp 
is that the hoaxers make the non-hoaxers look bad. You know yes, what I mean? yes. That, that's kind of the issue. There's a lot of people who fake stuff and then sent it to experts. Oh, well. Uh, and well, the experts thought it was real and then they said, oh yeah, by the way, I the, want to give it a trick deal. The worst thing that ever happened to this research, as well as one of the best things, was the, the invention of the internet. It really? It's been a soapbox for every snake. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. It's so easy now to make up a story, satisfied, sight, and sound convincing. And the problem is, is a lot of the so-called researchers that want something to be true so badly that they jump on a bandwagon and they and weeks go by before they realize their their leg is being pulled and they feel like absolute morons when they do. We've had a lot of that in the last twenty years. We had Melville Ketchum, the, the, the veterinarian who claimed to have found DNA for the existence of Sasquatch, and that she also claims to have proof that angels. <laughs> you know, which didn't come out till later. You had uh, uh, Todd Standing in Alberta who was going around saying, oh, making all kinds of crazy stories. And, and people wanted it to be true so badly they threw common sense to the wayside. Well, I didn't, but they did. That brings me to, to my question, which is a very naive question, is that if I really want to understand what what the serious researchers are doing in, in the field, and I want to make sure that I'm reading information from people who are scientifically trustworthy. How do they go about sifting out the, the claims of one group versus another? Because when you look at some of these claims um, that, that don't hold up, they've got PhDs behind their name, they seem as though they're parts of reputable organizations. So as someone who is a layperson, how do I know I'm, I'm reading the right stuff by the, by the good guys? It was on YouTube, throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah that Most only needs a whole body of written literature. <laughs> well, good by PDF. I mean, this yeah. stuff, especially in the United States, south of the border, has reached epidemic proportions. Almost every television show, for lack of a better description, is basically Duck Dynasty meets Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. they're all nonsense. Yeah. They're all full of nonsense. Are there university? Well, I was looking no, there, there's some university professors. But I thought uh, they might have like a dot edu like that. Oh hell no! More reliable. Oh, Which is why no. I use the Center for Inquiries because well we know those people. Right? No, no, no. Why would they waste money on that when they got so many useful things like gender studies? Well, one of the, inter <laughs> one of the interesting things, and part of the reason why I brought the question up is that. Every month, the University of Chicago Press, which is um, a, a credible organ, certainly, you know, we would say that the University of Chicago is not a, a, a credible uh, university or place for learning. They, they have a free book, uh, an e-book, that they would give out once a month. And for this month, it was Bigfoot. And the author, um, I'm, I'm forgetting his first name, his last name, is very unusual. I think it's a blue, 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 and it is supposed to be a credible um, uh, a guide into his own experiences and his research. I wonder if you're familiar with that and why, you know, it has been tied as a, a book from the University of Chicago. Means he, he's a serious researcher. Or you got me. I have not heard a peep about anything to do with that. No, it's blue, blue, blue. blue, blue 
you blew, gosh, oh, you're looking at me like I know. I have no idea. No, 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 no it's, it's, it's a new, it's on Amazon, and it, it, it's just called Bigfoot, no surprise there. Mm-hmm. But um, if, if you have a chance to pick it up, let me know. I'm really interested in Well, if you find out more, you let me know. Oh, I will. Yeah. We're now a team. Thomas, do, do, you feel, do you feel that maybe a lot of the uh, research in the field is, you know, when, you, when you're an atheist and you do a show like this, a lot of people jump to conclusions, right? They'll, they'll say, for example, well, we don't know how the Big Bang, what happened before the Big Bang, ergo God. Uh-huh. And they'll say, you know, well, we don't know what made that footprint, ergo Bigfoot. Bigfoot yeah. Big <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's no, the Sasquatch is no different than anything else. You get your cheerleaders, you get your distractors, and you get your neutrals. Uh, you know, um, again, people only go by what they know. And what they've seen and what they've read. And when nonsense starts to overtake common sense, that's what people know, that's what people read. And the end result is always the same. The, the main, one of the main questions that I came across here was these things obviously have a lifespan as is everything else and they die of natural causes or whatever, right? We're not finding any dead bodies either, right? Correct. And I, I don't know how much of this area is uncharted. I know lots of rainforests are completely uncharted. So, um, have you heard of Orang Pandek? Yes. So, okay, that might be a little bit more plausible because they're over in a rainforest that mm-hmm. hasn't actually been searched. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much here hasn't been searched. But you would think that you would find dead bodies, right? Well, one would think, but in all the years I've been out there, I've yet to come across a remains of a bear that hadn't been killed by people. I have not come across, I've never seen a wolverine yet. I've only seen a mountain lion once. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. And how well have these forests and whatnot? There are a lot of areas, mostly uh, not uncharted, but rarely visited because of their reclusiveness and the difficulty to get them. Any areas within, you know, five kilometers of a roadway, they've been trodden on a lot more. But there's a lot of areas, especially in British Columbia, where when you, if you stand on that ridge, you're probably the first person to stand there since the 1940s. <laughs> you know, and that's how much time goes by before anyone marches through. Well, that's why I'm, like, I am 100% sure mermaids do not exist. <laughs> so am I. I'm probably 50-50 with the Bigfoot thing, because really it's not that... Incredible. Yeah, it, no, you said it, it doesn't break the laws of physics, it doesn't break the laws of evolution or anything like that. There was that Oliver, are mm-hmm. you familiar with Oliver? Do you mean the chimpanzee? Yeah, yeah. Chimpanzee. He walked primarily, he walked bipedal, and I mean, of quite, course. Quite, but he had a, a yeah. spinal condition that caused that. Yeah, but yeah. also there is an evolutionary benefit to being bipedal. Being bipedal burns way less calories than being quadrupedal, and we know that from doing tests with humans and chimpanzees on treadmills. Quite, quite so. And that would make sense, right? Yeah, there's actually a lot of research that says bipedalism wasn't all that rare right back then. It may be the other way around. Yeah. You well, know. That sounds like great advice if you want to lose weight. Yeah. Start walking on all fours. All fours. I mean, when you move out of the trees, the idea of uh, being solely bi- uh, quadruped really doesn't serve any purpose anymore. I crawl around with my one-year-old all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks thanks to the internet, which we talked about a few minutes ago, I did a little research, and um, the title of the book that I was referring to, and I should have written it down before I left the house, but thank you, you, Terry, for the computer. Mm -hmm. It's called Bigfoot, The Life and Times of a Legend, Mm -hmm. and the author is Joshua Blue 
V-O-U-B-U-H-S. And it's it's like blue bug. It, yeah, it's Life's in Tongues of a Legend? Pages. That sounds like a Vanity Fair article. Yeah, it, 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 it starts out with, Last August, two men in rural Georgia announced that they had killed Bigfoot. They claimed to instant feverish attention, leading to more than a thousand news stories worldwide. How long ago? It, um, this was uh, last, I guess, in two, 2015. Um, despite the fact that nearly everyone knew it was a hoax, though Bigfoot may not exist, there's no denying Bigfoot mania. And it looks like the book itself is a, a history of Bigfoot going back through what is it, the abominable snowman, the life and times of Bigfoot, and then taking it to the Yeti from 1951 to 1959, the Sasquatch from uh, 1929 to 1958, um, and then on into um, the return of Bigfoot from 1967-1980, um, making sense of the movie, cryptozoology, and the death of... Yeah, you're reading the list of books. Yeah, I'm not reading what's in, I'm reading what's in his novel, or his, his work. Okay, so uh, what, what he's basically done, he's taken a bunch of books and quoted them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Yeti is actually uh, the name of the creature in the Himalayas, right. and the abominable snowman was the name given it to by the press in the 1920s when Eric Chipkin found his tracks. Sasquatch was a mispronunciation of a Koshehaeus word here in British Columbia. It was actually pronounced Susquehae. Mm -hmm. But a man named J.W. Burns wrote an article from McLean's magazine that appeared April 1st, 1929, and he misspelled and mispronounced the word and called it Sasquatch, as been known as Sasquatch ever since. Bigfoot came about in the late 1950s after the first set of tracks were found in the Lockbury Kitchen in California. He had never heard of the Sasquatch in Canada, they didn't know what else to call it, and the newspaper article said Bigfoot prints. The word got put together, it's called Bigfoot, it's been known as Bigfoot ever since south of the border. So, yeah, love our Americans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, that, to me, that just sounds like uh, it's probably an um, interesting book to read, but he's probably taken a lot of books like written by other people and yeah, it, it, it put looks like, yeah, them where they should be going. It, it looks like it's a it's kind of book to read to get the history and mm -hmm. where everything came from, and then it mentions... Well, I could tell you a better book than that, which is called The Sasquatch in British Columbia, a catalog history of the Sasquatch mystery in British Columbia from the 1700s. The 2012, I co-opted it. Mm -hmm. came out in 2012. There certainly is a lot, a lot available. It also, I mean, it's in the cryptozoology, it talks about global crants. The late global crants, yeah. yeah. And the most, the most important question for us as skeptics to ask anybody is, what would convince you that your position was incorrect? Like, what would make you 100% sure the Bigfoot thing was just all in that? Like, did they have to have video cameras set up on every square inch of all these places? Someone said you can't disprove it. And I said, yes, I can. It has I, to be yeah. If I could do a certain thing, and um, there's no way I can because I don't have the technical knowledge and I don't have a couple million dollars to throw away, <laughs> but I always had what I call the Coca-Cola project in mind. You know, the Coca-Cola highway between Coca and mountains and stuff? Yeah, yeah. When they built, that was in the primary of Sasquatch studies before and since. Wildlife have to go through these tunnels to get from one side of that highway to another. Because they've got wildlife fences all along both, things, both sides. Yeah. If we could get cameras operating off of solar, watching those tunnels, and it'd have to be all of them, not just the tunnels, but any 
river called it or a creek called it, anything up that's big enough for a man to get through. Yeah. If you could cover that 24-7 for a certain amount of time and you've got video evidence of every large animal we know is there, but you don't get image of the Sasquatch, that would prove to me that the Sasquatch is simply mythology. I'm so glad that you were able to answer that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, that would do it for me. Yeah. I mean, of course, if one of the cameras went down for eight hours, they'll say, well, that's when the Sasquatch went through. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and you know. I think they've, they've thoroughly, thoroughly debunked the Loch Ness Monster. They spent a ridiculous... Basically. They spent a ridiculous amount of money on, like, these satellite ground scanning, you know, all those things. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in there. But my, what I'm going to say is that it seems like all of these myths are actually based on some small, you know, kernel of truth, like uh, mermaids that are actually based on, you know, like Christopher Columbus and stuff, saying manatees mm -hmm. at nighttime, right? And they're probably all a bunch of alcoholics anyway. So it kind of makes <laughs> sense that that's where it came from, right? And the Loch Ness Monster... It was probably a large eel or something. Like a sturgeon, I yeah. think the idea was, right? And we have the Ogopogo myth here, too, in the Okanagan, mm -hmm. and it's probably kind of the same thing. It, yep. Like Kevin said, it's the... Well, like you were talking about earlier, images of the Sasquatch, the images of Ogopogo and Loch Ness Monster, people expect to see some long-legged plesiosaur, when it's probably nothing, if there is such an animal responsible for legend, it's probably nothing like that. Well, I would yeah. love to see them do yeah. your idea, because I think a lot of other, you know, the quacks you find on the internet, even if we did your idea, they would just say, oh, it went somewhere else. Oh, you're never going to convince everybody. Yeah, yeah. No. But I'm glad the other answer. I just don't know what that would cost, how feasible it yeah, is. Yeah, I know. How many, how many cameras you're talking about, that kind of thing. Well, I, I do believe there are 18 wildlife tunnels along the length of Coca-Cola Highway. Because there's a lot of, there yeah. is quite a bit of money behind this big foot thing in the States anyway. So. Well, a lot of private Well, money. even if well, you... Well, no, like Animal Planet has that show, right? Yeah, well, Finding Bibby, yeah, I know them. I've known them since before they did the show. Yeah. They, they were up here a year ago. Uh, I was, I helped set up their town hall meeting they had because all the people they interviewed were people from my files. Right. And the guy told me right off, the worst thing that could happen to us is we find Bigfoot. Getting <laughs> 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 the show's done. Yeah. I don't know, you'd, be probably, you'd probably get a lot of money for it, right? So maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing. I don't know if you would or not. I doubt it. Well, you get you get vindication. We'll yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's all it is. If I found the artificial evidence that the statues exist, then it's simply another species of creature out there that I'd be added to the list of zoology, and I could say I was right. Yeah, but couldn't you, like, sell it to a museum and then charge money and get a royalty for people come. People would pay money to come see that. No, come on, that's a P.T. Barnum kind of thing. I, right? I, mean, I don't know how you'd ever get one alive. Well, the, <laughs> guy, the guy who made the video, that Roger, what did I say, Patterson? Roger, the late he, Roger Patterson. He made, he made quite a bit of money off that. Yo, yes, he did for that time. He died of Hodgkin's disease in 1972. You mean the government killed him? You no, he died. <laughs> no, he died of Hodgkin's disease in 1972. And the man who was with them that day, Bob Gibbons, a friend of mine, he's still alive, he's still in the Akima. Basically, Roger and the man who was responsible for his financing then was his brother-in-law, yeah. the millionaire Al Diatli. They basically locked poor Bob out of everything, and Bob Gibbons never got anything. If anyone had any reason in the world to come out and say this man picked his film, it was Bob Gibbons, but he still won't. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that about the film either. I no, knew no, no. that people were claiming it was physically impossible for a human to replicate it. The most interesting thing about the subject of the Patterson film 
is the integral membrane index of the figure itself. But yeah. When you start talking about that, everyone gets this glazed look over their eyes. They say, "Boy, that's interesting." But what about this guy who says he wants it? Yeah, well, hold on. So the for those of us that might not be familiar, the Paris film probably talk about that very, very famous film. Mm -hmm. and you get a few grainy images. And what you see is essentially uh, see what would be a Sasquatch walking, kind of looking back at the camera and continuing on their way. Right? Everybody's seen that footage, yeah, before. But you know, this is radio, so <laughs> <laughs> we need some webcams in here. Right? Yeah, we yeah. totally need that. We totally it was shot that. October twentieth, nineteen sixty-seven, mm -hmm. in Buck Creek, Northern California. Now you're saying the uh, the uh, the man who shot the video to his death said that this was true footage. Correct, and it was sixteen millimeter home movie camera. They didn't have video in those days. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But the skeptic's position is that. It it's a man in the suit. Of course, yes. Didn't somebody say they were in the suit? Uh, about five people have said they were in the man in the suit. The latest one was a guy named Bob Aronimus. We could go on all day about that one. This, this must be very frustrating because, uh, you know, Thomas, I've got to admit to you, I, I'm pleasantly surprised about this interview. Uh, you're, you're, you're very smart, you know your stuff, and you're very reasonable. So this must be, I, I'm very sympathetic to your position right now because this must be very frustrating for you to know you go out there because it's almost like being an atheist. You go out there and you, you actually are trying to prove something here and you got idiots coming out of the woodworks making your life very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. And of course people are shutting you down as soon as they hear something and they're not actually open to actually skeptically looking at something. And you're mm -hmm. also an atheist who lives in the Bible though. <laughs> well, Poor guy. that's why we like him already. But uh, it, I think I think a lot of people are going to look at the show today when I post the show, and they're going to say, "Oh, for Christ's sake, Sasquatch!" You know, and I think that's that's. They did that to me this morning. Already. Yeah, th this is what's. If you're a skeptic, you got to let the person at least present what they have. Wow. You know, because if you don't, you're a denier. Exactly. It's it's. Both sides, the deniers and the uh, and the ones who said it's got to be there, they won't accept anything. It's like I said, the advocates. Yeah. You know, like religious leader pushing the faith. I mean, they both. It's like being Poland in between the Germans and the Russians in 1940, and they're going to hammer at you. You're stuck in the middle. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> That's not free. <pretty. laughs> okay, so according to your research that you've done, you said there. You, you think that this creature exists, and you think there are some not too far away, and we're not talking about the guy behind the counter of 7-Eleven. And uh, do you have any idea, according to you, what kind of a population you're looking at here? I went along with a late friend of mine, Dr. Grover Krantz. He had the theory, or the hypothesis, that there's probably one Sasquatch for every hundred bears in any given area. Any more than that, I think they'd be seen more often. Any fewer of that, it doesn't seem to be a viable breeding population. Yeah, genetic diversity. Yeah. It's like, I think I read something yeah. that you need like a minimum of 10,000 or something. Yeah, yeah, but, but you know, even a few hundred would keep the species going in certain areas. Yeah, I know I mean, 10,000 spread out over the United States. Yeah, well, well yeah. in the Pacific Northwest, 10,000 yeah. sounds Especially like a lot, but whatnot. you spread them out all over the Pacific Northwest and North America. You know, that's not a lot. Do the uh, indigenous populations like way up north, well, not, not necessarily Inuit, but pretty close to that, because of course the, you, you're leaving boreal forestry, because I'm thinking, you know, the forest, the boreal forest is more mainly their breeding ground and where they inhabit, right? Mm -hmm. Do they go, do you think, uh, have you ever heard of them going beyond that, going into tundra or going 
Not many. Not no. much. Not much. There aren't. There aren't too There's many no white Sasquatch that has evolved. No, no. <laughs> of all the, all the reports in my files, and I'm just one short of 200 now since I started. I think uh, I'd have to look back to confirm this, but I think the, the reports of white colored Sasquatch, you could probably count on one hand. No. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's certainly not common. Most of co- dark brown, grayish black, black, jet black, that And your research would point out that these are uh, essentially herbivores, or are they? Uh, like, a, like a bear. Like nine, a bear? Probably 90% vegetarian, 10% meat. Like fish. And stuff. Fish, small animals, scavenging. Yeah. Okay. I don't think they are predatory of large game as a habit because they don't have claws, they don't have canines. Well, so neither are gorillas. But, 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 they obviously are capable of doing it so they so desire. You know? Uh, and I think if they were, we would know more about them by now because we'd have ranchers and farmers complain about lost cattle and stuff like that every year, and that doesn't seem to happen. No, that's a trooper cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gorillas are huge, and they yeah. eat 99% plants, right? Yeah. Oh, gorillas eat almost 100% Yeah, Yeah. I know chimps. Chimps will hunt every Yeah, bush babies. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But uh, gorillas, no, they're almost 100% so what physical evidence is there that you yourself have been genuine? The, thing, the things that impressed me so far are things like uh, indication of the mid-tarsal breaks in the footprints. Also things that we call dermal ridges. That's like the fingerprints on the bottom of your feet. That strikes me as very interesting. And talking about the Patterson film, the intermembral index. That's comparing length of arm to length of leg. Mm-hmm, you know. Human beings, we have an intermembral index of about 68 to 70 uh, because our legs are longer than our arms. Yes. A gorilla has an intermembral index of over 120 because they have massive arms and very small back legs. The creature in the Patterson film has an intermembral index roughly around 80. So that to me, in my mind, is good evidence. But when, again, when you tell that to the general public, they get that glazed look and say, but what about that guy said he was? Isn't the reason for the length in the arms kind of contradictory because the reason that they have such long arms is because they're not bipedal? That's right. Exactly. No, no, but that that contradicts what you're saying. No, no, they have the long arms because they're they're quadrupeds. Oh, but But you're talking about gorillas and chimpanzees. Yeah, I know, but what I'm saying is that the Bigfoot it's supposed to be bipedal, but it has the length of arms to legs ratio as a quadrupedal. No, it's, it's, a, it's like halfway between us and them. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Okay. So, so, so their arms are bigger than ours in proportion to our legs, but, but smaller, far yeah, smaller than a gorilla or a chicken. It's a transitional yeah. So the number, is it like when you reach that on, the, on that scale, you reach 100, then you become a bit of a quadruped at that point? Or? Yeah, well, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think human beings are ever quadruped at any time in our history, but I'm not an anthropologist. I don't know that for sure. Well, I mean, homo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but the Sasquatch, a lot of people wonder why we don't see smaller ones more often. I have the, and of course, this is all theory and yeah. hypothesis, that when they're younger, we should be looking up in the trees rather than down on the ground. Well, we're quadrupedal for the first couple of years of our lives. Right? Yeah, you know. And uh, the, the, for safety and 
security reasons, they probably have a tendency to stay spend most of their youth in the trees. And stay uh, really, really close to mom and dad. Yeah, and you know, the late Grover Krebs again had the theory that you know maybe they have family groups with a number of females with a dominant male who generally tolerates the daughters but will drive the sons away when they get to a certain age and, and that's all they go up yeah that's all speculation they go off on their own getting bigger getting stronger and maybe they find and take over family group themselves one of these days and that's what people are seeing these you know uh driven off males or disposed formal dominant males and, and uh, that return to their nomadic lifestyle once they've been driven away but again that's all hypothesis but you do see that in primatology yeah. Yeah. So I mean, we're mm-hmm. trying to use that because we're talking about a primate. Yeah, primate. They're basing them on a primate. Yeah. Like if that. it exists. Yeah. Well, yeah. and just for the record, half to point out my favorite subject. The idea is that our ancestors became bipedal around between four and a half and six million years ago. They're mm-hmm. they're pretty convinced that the uh, I can't I can't pronounce the damn fossil. Anyways, it's six million years old, so... Orientogenesis. Ori- no, 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 before Lucy. Way before. Three oh. million years before. Orientogenesis. Ah, I'm going to fail. Uh, but <laughs> roughly six, <laughs> million, six million years ago is, is kind of when the beginning of the bipedal thing. So it's, it's been, you know, millions and millions of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get the idea that they kind of split off from there, though, right? Correct. Uh, you know, and the ancestor of the Sasquatch was probably, if my hypothesis is correct, was an animal known as... Giganticus black guy, which was a huge Asian ape, that supposedly went extinct about 10,000 years ago. Hmm. And uh, Sasquatch is simply the species continuing. That, to me, is the theory that makes the most sense. Yeah, I think I've read about that. Yeah. Um, I think their fossils were pretty rare. His mostly. Yeah, yeah the, matter of fact, the first fossil wasn't found until the late 1930s. Okay. And they were found in a Chinese curl shop, not Madrid. Yeah, they were selling ah. like medicinal curl. Yeah. Yeah, what is it? I can't pronounce the bone fragment that they always find, like Magdala or whatever. Yeah, but a, bit, a large tooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever is that. So they don't actually have, they don't actually know if it's bipedal from the teeth. No, but the theory is bipedal because now they have the, the skull and, well, the lower jaw of one. And it has a very wide jaw, very similar to modern man. Yeah. Uh, because and, and the reason the jaw is wide is because our head is on top of our body rather than hung forward, yeah. and the jaw has widened in order to make room for the neck. Yes. Gorillas and chimpanzees have very narrow jaws because their heads are hung forward and they're quadrupeds. Well, and guys, it's going to have a back. Of course, all these things have a back. And Gigantopithecus has a very wide upper jaw, so that is the theory that that, that, that basically says that Gigantopithecus black guy is probably an erect biped. Okay. Well, at least for a good portion of us. Everything that I've read about Gigantopithecus was scientists basically say we've got no damn idea. No, we don't. So we find more. We more. don't. It's all hypothesis. If you can actually find the skull, then you could probably do more mm-hmm. with that. Then you can align, or even a leg bone. Yep. 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 That's generally how they figure out the whole. Basically, thing. what they got is a lower jaw and a lot of teeth. Yeah. 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 And that's what, that's where I was going is to why is it that no. Contemporary remains have been found. Is it because you think the remains have been buried? You know, by them. That's one of the ideas I heard too. Is that they buried them dead. Also, I think I it, it also depends on the environment too. I think mm-hmm. fossils, uh, fossilization is much more difficult in the jungle mm-hmm. as compared to near a river. Dive. And then the Northwest, mm-hmm. for that matter, the rainforest is 
uh, has a very nature has a very quick way of disposing of dead remains. Like I said, I have yet to come across a dead bear that had not been shot by people or killed on a highway. Because yeah, I was yeah. thinking maybe you know the bear is is, is the predator where the Sasquatch is Sasquatch has been you know the, the victim in which case they would have been torn apart and left. Well, the thing is, the Sasquatch. If you find one that hasn't di- uh, died, animals don't know they're dying. They just know there's something terribly wrong. So they go off and they find a place to lay low. Do they feel better? Another they lay low, yeah, they'll have buried or something. They yeah. die. You know, so they're kind of like half buried anyway. But it, it's hard to explain it all away. There has there have been stories of large unknown bones found, and they're sitting in drawers and and places and boxes. I, it wouldn't surprise me if someone ever laid out the remains of a Sasquatch for the world to see. It's not going to be somebody like me finding it in the bush. It's going to be some anthropologist who's been found in a dust-covered yeah. box in a museum basement be, somewhere. Be positive there. Be optimistic, yeah. Thomas. I'm rooting for you already. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know what? We've already done way past that we were expected to do, but this has been a been a great show. Thomas, if people want to find out more about your research and what you do and what you're up to, where can they find you? Well, uh, there are two places. I have a blog site, www.thomasdeenberg.com and I have my email address is sasquatchatelus.net What are your books? You mentioned at the front. Uh, yeah. Books? Let's plug those shamelessly. Oh, <laughs> sure. Why not? Shameless, shameless plug. plug. <laughs> shameless plug number one. The Sasquatch and Alberta published in 1989. Can't find it. So I guarantee if you get one, pull out of it. Well, you, you probably have a copy of your own book, I assume. <laughs> Speak with the Continued Mystery came out in 1993. In Search of Giants, 2000. And I co authored two others, Meet the Sasquatch with Chris Murphy and, and the late John Green, we just lost recently, by the way. Uh, came out in He's always in the last pocket you look for. Right. And, and the one I told you about earlier, the Sasquatch in British Palma, Chronicle History from 1700 to 2012. That came out in 2012. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Is there a Facebook group? No, I'm not on Facebook. Oh, I've, no. never, I've never had an interest in social media, and I still don't. Oh, I had to send yeah. spokes in those to get this yeah. guy's attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas, are your books self-published? Or can they be no, no, they were all, most of my, the first one was put out by Western Publishers. Okay. And, and they closed their door when uh, Brian Maroney brought in the GST. The others were done by Hancock House. Okay, because they could be found at used bookstores or oh, bookstores. Yeah. Yeah, they're they still available. They don't oh, yeah, they're still available. You okay. can still find them. And that's the main online. thing. How, you know, if someone is interested, they, they have to know the easy way The easy way to find them. So mm-hmm. it's a good, a good thing we know that... You, know, find find a book, find uh, you find a bookshelf with books on the Sasquatch, uh, my, the odds are mine are there. Great. Was that, was that the only one who just found Graham Hancock when he said that? <laughs> no, I found that too. <laughs> David Hancock, I got house publisher. All right, before I let you go, Thomas, can you do me a quick favor? Sure. Can you say, hi, I'm Thomas the Sasquatch Hunter, and I took a left at the valley? Hi, I'm Thomas the Sasquatch Hunter, and I took a big left at the valley. Thank <laughs> you so much, okay. Thomas. <laughs> That's been a great show. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you for being here. You can find us on leftatthevalley.com. You can look at us on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, send us an email at leftatthevalley.outlook.com. Coming up next week, we'll be talking to Ray Cullen about the LGBT youth issues. And we also have that interview from Michael Sherman coming on the fight. Guys, thank you so much. Until next time. Inevitable, you're doing 
results and the outcome is measurable It's literally like sitting on your ass or taking a nap When somebody you love is fucked up and needs your help bad How the fuck can you justify the genocide and pain caused by your cold? There must be something missing in your brain I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer An infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith in us Intelligent people can reach the conclusion that all non-believers are evil What a fucked up statement, do you realize what you're saying? But according to your book, this is how your God made me Skeptical of anything that contradicts history Denies evolution, hates science, promotes mystery I'd rather seek the truth than to bask in my own ignorance Rather be alone than surrounded by damn idiots As long as there's a breath in my body, you can bet your last Isn't real, but Jesus is Or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu You don't believe in them I think the reason is apparent You do what you're told and believe In the God assigned by your parents I'm proud to be an atheist A skeptic, a non-believer An infidel, a heathen I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance and you just call it Faith and unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist Keep it on the hush, don't wanna affect business He loves money too much We know that they love the kids But how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them We teaching them to respect them Fuck that The system is broke down Working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them The parties of God's hands are bloodstained Millions of murders by believers And they're all in God's name and let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful That many atheists are told to be quiet You're not alone, speak your mind, time to let it be known I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer An infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith And unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist